Hi, this is William Ramsey. This is the second part of an interview I did with Keith Hansen, also known as Visigoth, on April 21st, 2012. The subject was futuristic themes in literature, movies, and TV. The entirety of our discussion can be found on my YouTube channel, William Ramsey Investigates. Thank you. About applications in the future that ask you about, you know, are you white, are you black, are you this, you that. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the time when they come with a checkbox that says all of the above. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's eventually. It probably will all, will all be cappuccinos. That's, that's probably what it'll be. Like, are you a cappuccino? Are you not? A, I mean, and the, it's just a bogus labeling structure whereby people can get benefits or not get benefits from some state mandated bogus law it's just it's just it's absurd um we have some people that are emailing me and i'm going to tell those people uh you got to call in you can't be bashful we'll do this at um on the other side of the top of the hour but uh you raise good points folks and so why don't you just go ahead and call in because i know you want to and uh, it'll, it'll inject uh, some new genetic material into our discussion. But, but uh, while we got about uh, three minutes left, though, what I'd like to do is um, um, where what are you going to come out with, with strictly documentary DVDs, or are you still going to do something with what we would call hard copy text? No, I'll do both. I think I'm, I'm moving towards both. You know, I'm still I've talked about finishing this Children of the Beast book. Forever, and I still am compiling information and, you know, working when I have available time. So that'll be my next book. And, uh, you know, they kind of play off each other. I mean, it's just like I was able to make that documentary with still pictures that I had from Crowley into, like, the Prophet of Evil movie. So I think that that'll probably be the same thing. I mean, I'm finding more about Leary that is just really, his his history is really as incredible as, uh it's Crowley in a lot of ways. His, his, who he mixed with, where he was. I didn't know that Leary was off the stage at Altamont. You know when oh, uh, the the Stones were playing. I mean, it's just an incredible moment when the Stones are playing "Sympathy for the Devil." The guy gets stabbed, and there's uh, Chief Illuminist himself, Leary, who's a f- hardcore follower of Crowley, sitting right off there. And that Altamont was, you know, a watermark in our cultural history. So. Well, you know, when you say that, it makes me wonder then, and Go Rightly would love this kind of stuff, and so would Colvin, but um, are you intimating, or are or, or you not, though it may be the fact that that was a sacrifice? I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I think it was just a bunch of Hell's Angels going crazy, whether it was a sacrifice and where they got worked up. But if you see some of the documentaries on Altamont, these guys were juiced up on all kinds of drugs. I mean, it clearly psychedelics are being taken by guys from the hell's angels whether it's a intentional sacrifice or unintentional i don't know that there was a racial element involved there all had all these you know uh white guys and the, the guy who got stabbed was black so you know you know i, I, I remember I those know. i remember those days and of course we had also right after woodstock we had the manson murders uh not that he killed anybody but of course we did have that scenario uh, I believe that was after. I always go back and forth with this about Adam. Um, I have my own c- categorization of uh, a timeline uh, which I lived. But uh, th- what, what made me, you know, kind of like think about you can't do Woodstock again. Woodstock was an absolute fortunate accident. 
And yeah, I mean, they did their Woodstock again. I think the Woodstock too devolved into an overpriced commercial of course. Uh, nightmare that was muddy and turned into a riot where they took all the stands and burned them. Yeah, and, and but uh, right in, in the wake of Woodstock, which worked out so well, I think the West Coast was trying to do something that would approximate that because, hey, you know, look, it worked really well out there, and it did, but I don't know that the organizers were so sure that that would be the case uh, because of all the things they had to face. And I would say to folks, uh, you know, just as an aside, uh, there's a, um, a fiction book which is definitely based on fact that I think is very, very um, uh, introspective, uh, a very good magnification of what took place in the preparation of Woodstock called Barefoot in Babylon. Uh, they, you know, they, they hedged their things by saying it's fiction, but, you know, you all get it. Uh, it was absolutely a fortuitous accident, and it worked out very well, but you can't do that again. It's almost like, you know, it's just one of those things that one day it worked, but if you try to get those same items aligned again or whatever, uh, it, it just couldn't happen. And out in the West Coast, yeah. it certainly did not. Yeah, well, I think it's a spontaneity kept so many people out of it. I mean, so many like commercialization elements to it. Yeah, good point. Yeah, that was like a that was kind of like its blessing, you know, that made it kind of more pure than let's plan this two years ahead, and then all of the parasites and carpetbaggers can come and try to make as much money off it and capitalize on it and advertise on it. You know, I tell you what, we're going to go to a break now, but that good point because you know what we used to say is as when we were, you know, young and dumb, the best parties were those that were never planned. We just said, hey, look, I think something's happening here, so let's just use the phone and see who comes. And it was great. Try to plan something? No way. Can't happen. Right. You get everybody yeah. in that you don't want to, and it all goes to, uh, to shit, basically. All right, um, Big Jim, if you want to cue that up, you can by all means. A break music. We'll see you in about five minutes. We're with William Ramsey, Prophet of Evil, Occult Hollywood, and so much more. See you in about five. All right, I think we're back with William Ramsey for the second hour. Uh, we're talking about some of the work that he, uh, well, we talked about the work he's done, and we're going to talk about the work that he's going to do, and that's where we are right now. <clears throat> also, folks, if those of you who have sent some comments, uh, don't be shy about calling in. Um, I don't think William would mind it whatsoever, and, again, uh, some of the things that you've written uh, – are, are worthy of, of a discussion, so by all means do it. If you don't, that's okay. But I'm not reading uh, uh, emails on air. I'm not doing it today, so take that. Secondly, the uh, front is upon us. The squalls have started. I have no idea what's going to happen, but if we get a break um, in communication, I'll try to get that back again. It's not really the season yet. It usually happens in June, but we needed something badly, and we've got it, and it's happening right now. Lucky me. All right, William, we'll get back to what we were doing. Um, we talked about Philip uh, Dick as a, um, a prime uh, exponent of futuristic science fiction writing uh, and that it doesn't necessarily portend a great future for us. Did you want to get into, and I'm going to let you go at this point, uh, and you've been very good about taking my questions and such, I appreciate it. Do you want to get into some of the themes, or uh, where do you want to go with this? Sure. I mean, we can talk about that. I think that, uh, you know, Dick's themes are, um, you know, man versus machine are very common. Uh, I think it's also his view of reality and how reality is uh, is influenced by technology. 
and uh, were you know. And he also was a metaphysician. He was he was into religion, so I think that it was the nature of of the world. And he had had some. He'd either had a psychotic or mystical break, and uh, he wrote a book called Valus, which stands for Vast Active Living Intelligence System. He kept having flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was also extremely poor. He kind of lived a life of uh, kind of like a Van Gogh. He was never, never, he never made money from any of his works during his life. Well, not much. And uh, he also had a problem with, like, with a lot of writers, which is fairly, fairly usual. I mean, he was a a drug user, but he's also a methamphetamine user, and uh, you know I think that influenced a lot of his uh, his views. I mean, he was obviously very paranoid, uh, but uh, you know, so he had had. I think that he he was still kind of a uh, he ruminated about those issues throughout his books. He was you know interested interested in social control. He had lived through the '60s and '70s, and had seen everything happening in. Uh, in Northern California, and uh, um, so we'll, I, I think that influenced him. All right, we got a caller. I mean, be careful what you ask for. <laughs> okay, gotcha. So, caller, are you there? Come on. Oh, we got dropped. <laughs> oh, all right. All right. No worries. I mean, so those are kind of the themes that that, that you know permeated all of his works, and you know, I think that those are those not only are themes that were important to him then they're important to us now which you know makes him even more relevant and uh still you know all of his films kind of dealt with these types of uh these types of issues so i think uh you know i think that they would they kind of left a lot more answers uh questions to be asked than real answers in a lot of ways uh and i think that your solution as far as you know, absolving yourself of a lot of technology uh, is, uh, you know, I think a valid response. And, I, you know, I, I kind of think of Frank Herbert's books, too, where, you know, a lot of his Dune books, they had, that after had all these problems with technology, had eschewed computers, you know, and, and nuclear power and stuff like that. Uh, and he, he was, you know, obviously another science fiction writer well, and futurist. But, uh, well, well, you know, let me, let me run this by you. And uh, I mean, the caller dropped. Uh, the caller is back, so let's do that. And folks, understand that I know when you're there. Just hang with me because I don't want to be too rude to, to William, as I, you know, beyond what I do normally. So uh, <laughs> we got a caller. Uh, by all means, come on. Hi, it's Kira. How are you? Oh, now that my my hearing is back, yes, I'm fine. How are you guys doing? <laughs> oh, am I loud? No. <laughs> Don't worry about I'm it. not talking really loud. I didn't. I didn't hang up. It just dropped. It went oh, like okay. dead. I... <laughs> okay. Hi, William. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? I wanted to tell you that um, I went on Amazon and uh, I rented your Cult Hollywood Volume One. Good. Very good. Very good. I recommend anyone to go on to Amazon and watch it. It was really worth worth the time, and uh, I couldn't believe how cheap, you know, it's very reasonable. Yeah, it's not, I mean, I, I think the, the rental fees are, what, two ninety nine? Is that right? $1.99 for seven oh. days. Right, yeah. So, so what did you get out of the content, Kira? What? What did you get out of the content? Well, you know what, it, it really just, 
I, I had no idea, like, actually, because he had the snippets of the films, how much occultism and how early it started. Like, I actually thought it started more in the 70s when they had, like, Rosemary's Babies, but he has snippets of films, but, I mean, they actually, they, they showed the actual ceremonies. It's almost as though they're taunting you. They're like, like it's, it's openly showing you um, these ceremonies that are supposed to be so ultra secret. Yeah, that's uh that was those are based on books from a, a follower of Crowley. And uh yeah, they I mean you can that would that character was based upon Crowley in that uh book. I I mean in that film which was uh, oh gosh, what's the title of it now? I can't remember. Pull that up. See if I do that everybody I can't I watched it back in January, so I Remember the name of the film. See, if I forget, I'm called old. William can forget, and it's just like, oh, a brain fart. No, I, I, uh, <laughs> my, I have this somewhere. The the film is, it's by the author. Give us something we can work with, William. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, let's see, where is this? I'm gonna find my file here. Uh, da, 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 where is it? Not Angel Heart. Oh, that was one of the worst. Damn. Yeah, that that's also in the in the Ooh, film too. Boy, that and, that was that. Mm, that's probably the, the darkest film I've ever seen released, like you know, commercially. Yeah, that's a rough one to watch. Ooh, there's no doubt about. Hell. Is that that's the one where in the end he was doing the killing? Yes. Yeah, with De Niro and what was it, uh, Mickey? Mickey Rourke. Yeah, and he realized he was the one. Yeah, but I mean the the whole thing. I mean De Niro played that up well. I mean this. Uh, it it. I watched it once and I thought I could do it a second time, but the second time I watched it, I was like, I can't do this. It was too good in what it did. Which makes you sometimes wonder about Bobby. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's like. Uh, well, I wanted to bring up. Um, you you have been talking about um, JFK. And uh, I wanted to bring up, I recently read his 19-year-old mistress just wrote a book called Once Upon a Secret. Her name is Mimi Alford. Yeah, she was and, an intern, um, wasn't she? Her, I'm sorry. Kira, she was an intern or something like that in the White House, right? She got, pref, uh, quote, preferential treatment. Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, she was just out of high school, and he started sleeping with her. And then he had her... Um, take care of his friend, which was sort of his her handler, and oh gosh, his name is escaping me now, but he was his, he was devoted to JFK, I mean, he kept all his secrets, he was kind of a PR guy, and they were swimming in a pool, and uh, he asked her to take care of him, and then watched her do it, and she stuck, stuck with him um, all the way up until, I believe, when she got, uh, Jackie Kennedy got pregnant with Patrick. It was right before that when they broke up, but it wasn't until he asked him, he asked her to take care of his brother Ted that she finally said no and stopped it. So, it, I mean, we at least have one person who came out and said, you know, he was sort of into that group um, hedonism. I don't know what other word to use for it. Well, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, he, Kennedy was uh, pretty, pretty, uh, 
had some very interesting, uh, you know, uh, habits. This is a polite way of saying it. But he, there's also another book that came out about, uh, Kennedy's, uh, another of Kennedy's flings. It was, uh, one of the girls who was, uh, her last name is, uh, oh gosh. Is that Mary Pincho Meyer, the one that just came yeah. out? The yeah, thing she was assassinated by the CIA? Yes, correct. And Cordmeyer yeah. was, her, was her husband, and Cordmeyer was a CIA agent who was very uh, responsible for the control of the media. And uh, she, uh, her, she, had, uh, she had been killed in Georgetown, and, uh, yeah, she was, uh, she was a socialite. But execution style, right? Like right to the head, execution yeah, right to the style, head. right? Yeah. You know, yeah, and what is now? I, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, oh, what, what what is the reason, the premise as to why they're saying that she was killed by the CIA? That's all I had read was the, the, the you know introduction of what the book is about, but I haven't read the book. Well, she, why are they saying that they did kill her? Well, they were the, the CIA was was after. I guess she had gotten a lot of information, or there was a bunch of uh, information. Uh, that she had had from Kennedy, and I think that somebody had mentioned that like the bastards got her or something like that. But uh, oh. uh, she was killed before he was, she, uh, or no, she was killed after October twelfth, nineteen sixty-four. So it was after Kennedy was assassinated. Assassinated, and I guess the rumor was she knew too much, and she had associated with a lot of uh, uh, the people that you know were involved in the assassination. But her husband, Cord Meyer, was a was a high-ranking CIA official, and uh, the the book that just came out is uh, let's see, it's called Oh Lord, I gotta find it. It just came out. I actually just read something about it uh, the other day. Yeah, so did I. I can't remember the name either, but I mean the death around Kennedy. Yeah. There was a movie about her called An American Affair with starred Gretchen Mull. But the uh, the book is uh of it's called A Very Private Woman, The Life and Unsolved Murder of Presidential Mistress Mary Meyer. So that just actually was came out uh I guess it came out a little while ago. I think that, that was yeah, so anyway, that's an interesting story. Uh, Bakira and uh, William, one of the things that I, you know, I mean, you have to understand, and that is when you get to high places, um, anything goes. And, I mean, evil's been with us for ev- forever. It doesn't get more sophisticated. We've had these, these discussions. I mean, it hasn't changed since Jeremiah. And this stuff goes on. That's why eyes wide shut. Even more than Angel Heart, because Angel Heart was another whole thing. But as far as as obviously socially uh, cemented type of behavior was was portrayed in Eyes Wide Shut, and that's pretty much the way things go. Uh, you know yeah. how women get involved in it or why they want to. That's another whole thing. The old saw is well, you know, men go for sex, women go for power, and that's where they meet. And usually the male gets, well, the male, okay, being that mostly male politicians yet, uh, get brought down because they think too much with their little brain 
and, you know, you're leaving a trail. And Kennedy, you know, as, as Fetzer would say, although I can't stand the guy, uh, J- Jack was a coxman. Well, well, great. That's terrific, you know. But George Bush, Daddy Bush, also had a scandal, which was brushed under the rug. Lyndon Johnson had one, which we've all heard about. Uh, but this goes on in high places. And I'm not, I'm not knocking women or anything like that. But, I mean, the thing is, there's something that goes on that attracts both parties and it usually doesn't wind up very well for the, uh, shall we say, the non-luminary. But it goes on and it goes on and will continue to go on. And people have no idea the debasement that takes place. And yeah. uh, I don't know, uh, William, if, if you were looking for something you wanted well, to chime in. The, the actual book that I was wanting to, to the, that wasn't the one, the, I referenced the book about her murder, but the one that just came out is called Mary's Mosaic, the CIA Conspiracy to murder John F. Kennedy, Mary Pincho Meyer, and their vision of world peace. And it was the author is Peter Janney, and Oliver Stone said a fascinating story. Peter Janney's unsparing analysis moves us closer to a reckoning. And then also uh, Jim Marr says, Mary's Mosaic must have solved a great murder mystery. This is a must-read. So that that's the book that I was just reading about the other day. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the scary thing is when you really peel back the curtain, how far back these misdeeds go and these murders and the um you know the perversion and everything it's it's really pretty amazing and how how much is it reported by compliant or complicit media entities whether you know it goes back for hundreds of years uh well, maybe the reason they are elevated is because they have those perversions or those secrets because you can control someone who has that but someone who doesn't, and you put them in an audience, uh, into um, a position of power, you don't have the control factor. Yeah, I mean, that's like what happens in gangs or any other kind of group, is everybody shares in the same traits, and then they're all, they all keep quiet, you know? That's how you, like, murder somebody into a, to a gang, whether it's a, the mob or the mafia or even the Crips and the Bloods, or whether it's the Mexican mafia, you know, you... You engage in something that everybody keeps to themselves, and it, it binds you together and keeps all the outsiders out, I guess. Uh, there was a, a statement. I don't think it was Lennon, John Lennon. I, I, I can't remember where it came from, but it said, um, you elect people because um, you think they're so much better than you, and, and then you find out that, in fact, they aren't. But that's the way it always goes. Um, they, you know, we go through this campaign season right now, this like tribal ritual where everybody's painted as being great and all these platitudes come out and the things we're going to do. We go through this like tribal ritual two to four years. And then at the end, nothing really happens. But we keep going back to this. And that's why I'm, I'm looking at this particular presidential race. And I'm laughing because it's like, yeah, you hear all this stuff that should be. But after, after the voting goes down or whatever happens... We're back to the same old stuff. In fact, it gets worse. But that's the way we keep doing it. And, and I mean, to me, I, I don't understand. It's like I said. It's like, when will Charlie Brown ever understand that Lucy will put the will pull the football away when you get ready to kick it, you dumbass? Right. Well, I mean, that's I mean, that's like the whole hope and change. How much hope and change have we gotten in the last four years? Really, we didn't get any change, <laughs> and there's still no hope. You know, it's I mean, I can't believe anybody would go back and. Uh, hire Obama for another term after this one. I mean, he, he, he kept the same policies that George Bush did. So, no, you got him for another four well, to years. Well, to tell the truth, like 
I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm just I can't a... believe any of them are viable candidates. I mean, look at them. It's, it's almost as though they're mocking us with these these choices that they're holding up. They're so new dangerous. And Rick Santorum, oh my God. Uh, Akira, let me, let me address something. You sent another email uh, to the effect about um, the, the way people uh, act with technology, uh, in this case cell phones or whatever, in the face of a uh, obviously life and death situation. Do you want to expand on that? And, and what, what some of the observers chose to do it, 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 you know, instead of uh, aiding uh, the uh, injured? Oh, yes. Um, a few months ago, there was a, a lecturer at, a, at a, a college, a college lecture, and at the podium, he had a massive heart attack, and he fell, you know, the man fell and then fell off the stage. And these kids, the college students, they stood up and started snapping pictures with their phones to post on Facebook and Twitter and, and to send to their phones instead of running to help them. And the um, teachers who had been in the wing, I mean, there was the other ones who finally, you know, got into the mode to, to assist this man were so outraged that they actually, you know, brought this, when, when the, the, the story came out, they actually brought it to, they said, I couldn't believe the amount of kids that just stood up and started taking pictures and never assisted this man having a heart attack on the ground. Instead, they would rather post it to Facebook and Twitter, and their friends would say, oh, my God, look what I just saw. It's almost as though they think they're in a movie, and, they, you know, they, they, they're, their sense of reality is so distant. Well, the reason I asked you to bring that up, and, uh, William, you want to address that by all means, but, but I, I did ask you to bring that up, because this goes back into the theme that we were talking about from the be beginning of the show, about reality and unreality and how technology especially can either, I don't know, it, it kind of at, at times um, just meshes the both, uh, uh, meshes both, so that, I mean, people look at everything that happens as if it's on TV. Uh, and right. I, all right, so go ahead, William, take that if you want to. Well, I do think it's important. I mean, I think that the people emulate what they see on TV as their, you know, what their ideal reality is. So it goes into programming and what some people have called predictive programming, but it's just straight out, you know, mind control that this is it. You get up, you go to work, you work for not eight hours, you get a paycheck. I mean, all this talk about jobs, you know, get a job, 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 and, you know, instead of, a career working for yourself or something like that. I mean, these are all things that that are conditioning and uh, molding the whole population. So I think that, the, you know, and this is all through technology. So, you know, we, we're used to it, but in a lot of ways we might as well have something with a bullhorn, you know, coming from the state telling us to do all this stuff. And it's like things like they say, like, oh, you know, after 9-11, George, why don't you just go out and go shopping, you know? Get back to the what's normalcy, and when the the, the normalcy can be seen as as uh, thoroughly abnormal. So you know this tech the technology has given people at the top incredible power to affect millions and millions of people with you know their view, and I think that that's it's I think that's one of the the things about how reality is shaped by people in power who do not have our best interest at heart. Right, then let me let me take it one step further. Because I think this is really the sad part about the whole deal, and that is, if if all kinds of catastrophe and 
murders and death and accidents, whatever it is, is instantly uh, caught by someone and put up on the net or whatever. What I'm thinking is this, is that, and this goes with video games also, where you know you have to kill people and take people's heads off and all this other crap, uh, right. especially military games. If you get a desensitization about snuffing out something which isn't a real life on the screen, but it does it does translate and brings you into the real world, and are we looking at human beings who are treating real life death, misery, catastrophe as just something else that was like basically on a computer screen? Well, it's interesting you say that because I was just reading the other day that that Anders Breivik guy from Norway, he trained for his mass murder spree where he killed 80 people or whatever uh, playing uh, online video games. That's what he said he trained on. So, and he detached all those people on a video, and that's an alternate reality. I mean, look at all these alternate reality games and lives that we live, whether it's through Facebook, uh, you know, Zynga games and castles and uh, World of Warcraft, and you know these are fault, other alternate realities that are sapping us from our our life. I mean, literally, there could be a time when people could just live their whole life through a computer, and they do it. I mean, there's addictions to oh, yeah. these online alternate video games where lives are ruined, and it's like a drug, you know. And uh, I think that it goes back to your point that these are training, and, and even the military has stated that a lot of the games they put out, the U.S. Army has put out a game that is essentially just a kill fest online that they, have, they haven't they have even been shy about saying it's a training manual for, for our troops or a training uh, guide, you know. So, uh, and then you can go to the drone wars. I mean, they, essentially there are people right where I live in L.A. who go to work every day, get upset up with the drone over Pakistan, blow people away, and then go home to their wife and kids. <laughs> I mean, it's disturbing. It's, it's crazy. So we're, we're in a dystopian society. We are, yeah. I mean, we, we, people are say like, this is rising, or we're moving into Babylon, or, you know, this could happen. It's happened. We're past that. We're, we're Yeah, we're, we're here, and we're going deeper and deeper. Uh, Kira, we got a last question? Well, no, I actually didn't, but I really enjoyed talking to you both, and um, thank you, as always, for an entertaining afternoon and entertaining show. All right, thanks, Kira. Thanks, Kira. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Take care. Yeah, it, yeah, this is great conversation on a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> uh, well, you know, in some ways you have to kind of look at the – you have to address and accept that this is not the best of all po possible worlds. You know, no. I, I think I, I wrote in my outline to you that Voltaire still – you know, Voltaire and his, and his great work, Candide, which is still, you know, a foundational book in our – uh, Western, you know, repository uh, yes. stuff, address these problems, and, and it's about reality. You know, Pangloss is, is referred to, one of his characters in that book is referred to as the big boob who didn't address the, the problems of reality, and he was still spouting after being beaten and waylaid and had all his money stolen and the thing. It's, it's still repeating, this is the best of all possible worlds, and there are people out there who still... Uh, emulate that same kind of dictum today, like, oh, yeah. you know, this is the best society we've got. We're in a, in a state of evolution. We're getting better and better. And they, they literally believe that. I mean, that, that this is, 
you know, that we're in some kind of evolutionary advancement. I'm not saying on, on a genetic level, but on a political level. And that's just a preposterous lie. And, you know, they're either ignorant or they're just lying to themselves. Um, did you want to go someplace? I have a question for you. Go far away. All right, I think this is a fair dinkum. Um, because you do the work that you have done with Crowley and other things, I think you might have been misunderstood by a, a great number of uh, people out there. Uh, and this happens because you have dealt, and I, I've been through this, and I learned my lesson. I'm not saying it's the same with you, so don't get me you know, wrong. Um, do you find it un- discomforting that when you have delved into this dark side of world history, let's, let's call it that, because it goes beyond just local stuff, that uh, you're perceived as being not a Christian. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's unfortunately, you know, what happened. And I think that the problem is, is people uh, take a surface approach and a surface view of what I've been doing and, and think that I'm some type of, you know, somebody who's trying to initiate them instead of reveal it and uh, reveal this information. So, uh, you know, I think that... I I probably should have emphasized more where I'm coming from, but also I, I one of the reasons why I didn't is I find that disingenuous and and, and labeling myself. Yep. So mm-hmm. you know it's a, it's a hard play it's a hard line to draw I guess you know where I have to you know make that statement. So, so I just explain it and you know, I just kind of reference these things as evil and not good and secretive and you know so I think that. You know, it goes back to, you know, just trying to reveal these dark, dark things. You know, we we see we do see through a glass darkly, and the the more light we can shed on the darker elements of ourselves and our political world, uh, the more likely it is that we would avoid these things in the future and also help us wake up. Because the reality is, is that these are very dark times, and there's a lot of very strange things happening. This is this is a, this kind of occult conspiracy is taking place on a global scale right now through our political spectrum, through our entertainment field, uh, environment, and it's having a, a, a tremendous deleterious effect upon our society. I mean, people literally are so freaked out and so scared by this constant barrage of, of bad information and, and weaponized information that, you know, they're, they're trying to find some relief, whether it's in the false panacea of pharmaceuticals or, you know, mm-hmm. drugs and alcohol. I mean, there was a kid that, ha- I mean, this happened a couple weeks ago. I don't know what the whole story was, but he jumped off a cliff here in L.A. He waited. He wouldn't jump until 11-11. So for somehow he had freaked out and 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 saw that you know this 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 these these things are really happening on kind of a witchcraft old religion basis and I don't know what the whole story was but he had this obsession with the number eleven and uh, you know it's 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 really a terrible situation you know that. These kids are being born into something where 9/11 has happened, and that lie has not been, that bubble hasn't been popped, you know, and that, uh, that this occult conspiracy hasn't been revealed and or enough, and that a lot of the 
ostensible Christians are fighting it, but I, I just don't think they're working hard enough. The people in the churches are are like we go back to the beginning of this conversation. They're still sleeping. They're not in a state of uh, awake, being awake. And you know, it's interesting that goes back to a theme in Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut, where it's a dream story. What's the dream? What's awake? You know, are we going to be fully awake, or, not, or are we going to be automatons and zombies and 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 go through day to day? And I think for me, in my work, you know, kind of bring it full circle is that I'm trying to be more awake and put stuff out there that you know, shows that there's a lot of things that are happening under the surface. Uh, we got another question for you that came through email, uh, if you wouldn't mind. Um, oh, away. Are you familiar with uh, Jay Weedner's work on um, Kubrick? Yes. Uh, do you want to uh, give us a comment on that? Well, I think that there, Kubrick was a, obviously a, a, a polymath, a very sharp, autodidact, you know, learned everything himself. Uh, I haven't really gotten the whole moon theory thing down, but it seems like that story's there's a lot of bogus elements to it. Uh, if we were able to get to the moon, why aren't we there all the time? You know, and uh, you know the the, the story of Wiedner is that Kubrick interspersed a bunch of information regarding the moon hoax into The Shining, and you know it would seems like it would be something that Kubrick would do. He did not in his works. He did not feel obligated to be uh, fully attached to the the ground or base stories that he he based his films on. So, you know, I I I, I do think that it's interesting that he put all these other symbols of the moon into his his film, and you know, he was a he was comfortable with with symbology in his films. He he did it through through all of them, you know, having uh, starting all the way back from 2001. He was he he understood the power of of the of the visual symbols. So, you know, in 2001, it's definitely there's a lot of occultism in there as well. So, uh, you've done what you've done, and I have also. Um, and I've asked you how you get through that kind of thing because, without getting too personal. You have a family. We'll leave it at that. Um, there will be seed of from you that will live on, and we're not really looking at a very good situation to come. That's not because you or me or any person or anything connected with, to what they call Christianity, which is like I don't even know what that word means anymore. It doesn't mean we want this to happen. It means that we've taken a look and we have believed on Scripture for a certain portion of what is going to come and it doesn't mean we will it to existence we just are aware that it might happen but we're right. in a situation i think right now where you know i mean what these science fiction writers wrote about in a secular sense is not necessarily not supported also by scripture which is not the fact that scripture is based on what they did of course it's the other way around and although it is bleak and you and I have had these discussions, and I've had uh, emails ad nauseum about, you know, well, you know, you're a pessimist. Look, all I know is this. I'm, forget whatever I am or whatever I belong to or my beliefs, but any, I think, reasonable human being, maybe it has to do with age, and now I'm in my sixth decade, takes a look around and says, you know what, realistically, and, and here's the point. You and I kidded around about me putting in my papers for being a Luddite. But I'm, I'm serious to this effect. Uh, you know, mainstream and all this other crap, it's a lot of noise. 
It's a lot of noise. It's a lot of gray stuff. And it muddies the waters of truth. And I think the Internet is, is the chief culprit for this because it elevates the bull crap with the real. And all I'm saying is, is that I can figure it out. I'm all right. You know what I mean? I know where this whole thing is going. Uh, that doesn't make me a pessimist necessarily, but it makes me understand that, well, I mean, for all intents and purposes, uh, why are we all kind of like understanding we're headed to like mm, probably a big drop off a cliff? Um, and, and, and so tell me, because, I mean, you, know, you and I know both, you know, how I get hit and how you get hit with these, um, our belief system and the fact that the Bible's garbage and, you know, uh, everything's right. going to be okay in the end. All right, I won't say anything more, uh, please. Well, I think that that's that's you know one of the uh, one of the troubling elements of of our current state is uh, some people seeing value in in the Bible and some not. And uh, you know, I, I don't know how much I can do to change people who don't see the 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 life of the Messiah as important so you know it's right. um it's a tough one i mean and i think that that i think that christ was a reality changer in some ways i mean you just to use that word is like what's your paradigm what's your way of looking out and some people are going to have that change they're going to be able to take that shift and see that um christ offered a different choice a different way for people to live and you know i i think that some individuals will get it, some won't, and, you know, it comes to free will and taking that step. And, you know, reality and faith are, are kind of interesting terms, but it's really a matter of, you know, do people want to take that road? And some people don't. I mean, there, there are people, they're, they're clearly uh, infiltrators into what's called the truth movement and people who really aren't interested in the truth as much as just spreading more myths. And a myth is, is, is a more detailed form of lie in a lot of ways. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a tough road. And I think yeah. that it's really a matter of choice in a lot of ways is, is people, what, what do they want to see? And, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tough question, you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it goes back to the dead burying their dead. Do people want to see, you know, where, where the, the final answer is? And some people can see past the, the temporal realm into the spiritual realm, and some don't want to or, or can't. And that, that's part of the way that they've been, they've been conditioned. And it probably was the same 2,000 years ago. I mean, there were people being conditioned yes. by yep. the priests and the Pharisees. And, you know, we have our modern priests and Pharisees. They're high priests of technology or high priests of the media. But in some ways, they're conditioning people to believe in one system in one way where you can have money changers in the temple. And Christ came in and said, no, there won't be money changers in the temple. You know, we're going to have the – there's something more important than money associated with the temple. Well, you know, we're really not that different than 2,000 years ago. Um, one of the things that I came to a realization of two months ago, like I said, it's not a big aha, but I, I do believe it explains a lot in civilization – and that is, uh, and I've said it before, I'm not going to belabor this, and I'm going to go on to something else that you know, I want to ask you about with regard to the work you're doing. And that is, human beings will behave 
in the same numbers in the face of the same stimuli. It's just the way it is. It really doesn't change. I'm not saying that's good or bad, but it's the, it's the history of the world. And to think that all of a sudden all the, uh, shall we say, peasants or whatever you want to call them, will finally have some kind of, like, sorry for this word, illumination, and suddenly turn things around. It's just not in the DNA of the whole damn planet. So don't expect it. I am all for a fair fight. If we don't have a fair fight, i got to be at least honest enough to assess what's going on and saying, we can't do this. And, right. I, and I've been misinterpreted, as you well know, about like, well, you know, we can't beat evil. Well, if you want to fist fight it and shoot and throw, you know, you're not going to do it. Uh, but it's our, it's, it, well, I mean, it's our belief system based on Scripture that, no, evil's done with, but we are not, we cannot beat principalities of darkness with fists, guns, and bombs. Agreed. It's a spiritual war. At foundational level, it's a spiritual war, and that spiritual war is based upon discernment, perception, and perception of reality, and the, the, the free will of the individual to change that reality for either what's good or what's evil. Some people use their free will to put together an evil system that is burdensome and uh, is involved in MK Ultra mind control, weaponized information, etc. And some people are trying to fight against it. And I'm, I, I consider myself as part of the latter, where I'm trying to educate and show and, and ultimately have people reject these false realities or false paradigms. And you know that's what I'll continue to work as far as I have time and and you know uh, free time to, to to put things together for people to watch and see. Now, it would be fair to say, because I, I felt this way for myself, <clears throat> although you'll find out for, you, for your own self, that uh, people will cleave to you because of the information you've given based on documentation or two ways about it. The solution, they may not all be that crazy about, but be that as it may, I mean, uh, again, hearkening back to uh, Dante's virtuous pagans, uh, they get it, but I think it comes to a point where the solution is not really palatable for them, and that's where we part company, but we can all agree on the fact that where civilization is going, low right. it may take, I don't know, it, it may, I don't know, it, it, it could take a millennium. I, I have no idea. It's not really good. Right. Well, I mean, that's it. I mean, the thing is, is that you can see the problem, but the solution to these problems sometimes is, is worse than acknowledging it, you know, because what, what it requires and what it requires of the individual is to make personal changes and also demand greater changes in the external world, you know. It's like, I mean, there have been times where there have been re revolutions in thought and revolutions in, uh, in political stuff, whether it's American Revolution but, you know, the revolutions in thought that took place due to Gutenberg's Bible and all these other things resulted in a lot of people getting killed. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was a hundred years war that just scorched the entire European continent between people labeled the Protestants and the Catholics over, you know, who was going to free up just the Bible. I mean, people take it for granted that they have a Bible they can reference, but back in the 16th, 17th, you know, 16th and 15th century, the priesthood and the priest under, you know, using as much priestcraft techniques as possible, tried to keep that knowledge from everybody, and it created cataclysmic wars that uh, wrecked whole 
I mean, the the Ger- I mean, I, I know specifically Germany. There were whole cities that were just laid waste, literally uh, nothing left. It's actually referenced in uh, "Sympathy for the Devil" by the Stones, which is mm-hmm. uh, was fought for ten decades for the God they made. But my point is, is that we're at another juncture or point in, in world civilization where, and it's going to be a world civilization whether we like it or not. It seems like. That's the way that all the political people are going, where people are going to have to make conscientious decisions that are not going to be pretty because you're going to be forced to take a chip. You're going to be forced to categorize and collate your children into state-run institutions if you're not already. You're going to be kept away from homeschooling. You're going to be kept away eventually. Being a Christian or being labeled one or reading the Bible at some point will probably result in social ostracism at best and worse straight up persecution so you know you have people who uh, are putting these things together through the UN so it's 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 tough I can see why people don't want to face that reality I can see why they want to put their head in the ground I can see why they want to take those you know whether state sanctioned drugs or, or otherwise to 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 bear to to not have to address these painful issues I mean so you know, you can recognize the, like you said, you can recognize the pro- problem, but to solve it, it's it's uh, it's going to be a tough one. And there are people 2,000 years ago who made the decision to to follow Christ. A lot of them were persecuted and killed. And there 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 are saints today, whether it's Stephen getting stoned or Peter and Paul being hung and crucified or beheaded in in uh, Rome under I think it was either Nero or. Uh, <laughs> Uh, what was the other guy's name? Caligula. You know, so so it's it's not it's it's, it's conflict is I think will be inevitable, and uh, I'm not saying it's a it's a, a violent conf, a conflict or a war, but you know it's uh, everybody makes their choice, and you know there were the the ramifications are you know very severe, or serious. So, and you know, and I think that that's the way it is, and it's all prophecy to Matthew. I mean, Christ talked about it. Some will fall away, and some people will stand up, and we all have a choice, and it's, and it's a difficult choice. And if you don't choose not to decide, it's still a choice, just like Russia. Uh, we got about uh, ten minutes left to go. I don't know if uh, you're at a juncture where you might want to uh, depart us. If that's the case, that's fine. Uh, if not, I have a couple of more questions. How do you want to play no, it? Far away. No, i got ten more minutes. All right, cool. All right, now, in some of the points that you sent me, uh, and I think, uh, I don't know, we, we, we'll definitely not be able to give it all the coverage that we have. I don't know that's really important, but at least the, the bullet points should be put out there. You talked about false realities. I think to a certain extent we did cover that. Uh, human versus machine, uh, we talked about that a little bit. The nature of God and social control. Now, that's a big mouthful in a sense uh, to like try to cram into like what eleven minutes or so. But knowing, I mean, you know what you wrote me. Uh, if you're going to hit the high points uh, out of what we've, um, I just spoke right here and about what you wrote. Uh, what what you want to touch before we uh, have to part ways? Well, I just I think that you know, Dick was still still involved in social control. I think that he had. Uh, he had seen everything that happened in the 60s and 70s. He thought that history was illusion, which a lot of people are finding out that history is illusory. I yes, mean, it there's is. the yep. surface and 
there's something far under the surface. And, uh, you know, that, and for him, the empire never ended. So you see the empire versus the, uh, you know, the, the, the rebels or the democratic ideal duality repeated, you know, in his, in his outlook. So, you know, I think that, and those are still the issues for today. You know, I, I think that we clearly are an empire, you know, covered in a, the velvet glove of <laughs> yep. democracy, but it's just baloney. I mean, the, 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 there really aren't any democratic values in this country, and the, the elections are fixed. So, you know, you can't, uh, you know, maybe at a local level there is there are um, issues that, you know, can be resolved through through democratic means, but all the elections, at least 2000 and 2004, were were clearly uh, clearly engineered. So, you know, yeah. So I think that that's why I think that this this determination of what what is our reality. I mean, in some and the two hours we've discussed, is really we a lot of people in this the truth movement or the new media or whatever are really trying to go back and determine what the real, at least the honest purveyors of information are, trying to determine what's wrong with our current reality and trying to fix it and assessing that this is not the best of all possible worlds and, uh, you know, either addressing it on a political or spiritual level. Those are the honest ones. And then there are other people who want to push this reality into some kind of new mythos that's similar to Nazism, some kind of creepy third way where they're going to tell you that centralization of power under a global entity is going to create this wonderful utopia that is going to just have the greatest opportunity for humanity, which is a complete complete and utter falsity and lie, and that, that's probably the biggest illusion of all. So... Did, um... Kind of rambling. <laughs> no, no, that, that's what you're supposed to do. Okay. Uh, but I, I, I recall a lot of things that I from our discussion, it puts me back as a, as a freshman and sophomore in college. And like I said, that was a, an absolutely crazy time. I mean, I couldn't make sense of, of it, any of it. And, and most people couldn't, although you'll get people who will demonstrate because, like, they're supposed to demonstrate. And I'm not mocking it. It was just like, I'm trying to figure this whole thing out. And, man, it's really giving me a headache. But one of the things that happened, I had a literary masterpiece course in my freshman year at um, – at college, uh-huh. and we had to read Voltaire, and of course, you know, this has got nothing to do with religion, it's all secular, but what I had to laugh at, uh, Voltaire, do you remember a, a, a phrase of his that says, man must cultivate his gardens, do you remember no. that at all? No. Okay, that's cool, but but what I, I thought was even more telling, and this of course is in a secular setting, in a university, you know, fairly Dickinson, 